0: Hello, Hello, and welcome to another episode of Dr. Scoff and the Prof. Hello, I'm uh, Dr. Clay Granston, and this is... Bryce Evans. Uh, we are both lecturers at Liverpool Hope University in the UK, and this podcast is all about food. This food and week, just food? Food, food, it's history. Food studies, if you like. Yeah,
1: yeah, I think so. And we usually start off with you berating, absolutely scathing reviews of our, of our name. Yeah, I don't like
0: the name of this podcast. Uh, I never have. You usually come up with some better suggestions. So what have you brought to the
1: table? Um, the first one I've got is Wu-Tang Flan.
0: Yeah, I think, again, you know, you, you're sadly lacking. Are, are these new suggestions are...
1: I think that's pretty... It's good. That's Wu-Tang a good one. Flan. That's a good one.
0: Okay, what, what's the next one?
1: The other one is actually using your name. In Go on. It. Um, Egg Fried Bryce. Egg fried rice. Well, that's got
0: a certain ring to it. But See, that thought, com- Completely that might... eliminates you. Well, I thought that might play to your uh... ego. <laughs> yeah, yeah, But, yeah, but, but you know, you're yeah. you're half of this. This is True. a joint enterprise. Well, I could so... be the egg, maybe. Yeah. Okay.
1: Okay. Well, you We've have got, got you have
0: got the a, egg. A shape I, got, I do look like an egg. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Very good. Well, today's well, look. I think we'll just go with our imperfect title for now. But yeah. let's get on to the subject of of this podcast, and this is all about something. Integral to food and our enjoyment of it, which is flavour. Yeah. So the reason we're talking flavour this week is I was in the United States recently. Again. Well, doing some research. Someone's got to do it.
1: Another holiday paid for, yeah. A yep.
0: research trip, excuse you, not not okay. a holiday. All right. While you were, like, holding the fort here.
1: While well, I was doing my job, yeah. yeah. At,
0: at Castle, Dr. Scarf in yeah. the Prof. I was off and I was at the Science History Institute and doing my research when I was over there. Met a very interesting uh, academic journalist who is also uh, looking at the history of food and her interest is specifically on flavour.
1: Flavour itself.
0: Flavour itself. So are
1: we talking about the science of flavour or...?
0: The science of flavour, the perception and this is where we have to introduce the new format for this week because yeah. instead of just me and you riffing off each other, yeah, uh, I was actually able to interview. Uh, the person in question, who is uh, Nadia Berenstein. Excellent. And she's writing a book on flavour. Sounds good. Uh, So she's a very interesting person, and we've got a full interview with her.
1: Brilliant. And when you say flavour, are we talking about uh, natural flavours or predominantly sort of the molecular artificial stuff?
0: She more looks at the chemical composition. Oh, really? uh, And the role of a much underappreciated individual, laboratory scientist, chemist, uh, the flavourist. Oh yeah, I've read how, about these guys, and how yeah. how flavourists uh, determine much of what we uh, taste.
1: And then I believe after after you've heard part of the interview, she's given us a task?
0: She's given us a task, so usually we do the recipe a bit, but she's encouraging us, well as you'll hear, to think more about the different chemical flavours that go into things. Okay. So you've swerved
1: cooking again, that's what's happened.
0: Well, well, we no, were still covering that. I mean,
1: okay. we're, we're doing that. And but strictly speaking, you've swerved cooking again.
0: One thing I haven't swerved yeah. is, is Books Corner because yeah. we've got Nadia to, to recommend us.
1: Oh, so I don't have to sit through book. your book corner this week. Exactly.
0: So I don't know if that helps to assuage your annoyance over me not
1: cooking. That's probably, yeah, that's exactly. That's, that's fine, yeah.
0: So should we listen to um, part of this interview with myself and Nadia? Yeah.
1: I, Shall I introduce her? Shall I ask the first question through the power of technology? Shall I shall I Will you summon her? Sum <laughs> summon her. Okay, Nadia. Um can you tell us a bit about yourself, please?
2: Sure. Well, I'm um I usually call myself a flavor historian. Yeah. Um I have a PhD in history and sociology of science from the University of Pennsylvania. Um, and I wrote my dissertation about the history of Flavor science, or rather the sciences of flavor, because um, there are multiple scientific disciplines that formed in the late 19th and early 20th century to t- try to understand um, both how to make flavor, how to create flavor on a molecular level, and how we perceive it. So you can read about my research, um, find links to some articles I've written and things like that on my website, which is uh, NadiaBarenstein.com. Um, or you can follow me on Twitter um, at the bird is gone.
0: Well, I've done both, and <laughs> uh, the website particularly is fascinating. I read a couple of articles you'd written on. There was one on um, the notion of taste in space, uh, and then another I was reading yesterday evening on uh, uh, early twentieth-century explorations in uh, taste nutrition. Uh, Frink. And um, Fletcher, the great masticator, mm-hmm. uh, who wanted everyone to chew their food properly. So you write in a huge range of things. But I suppose if we stick with the flavor theme, uh, it's, a lot of it is in the mind, would you say, rather than the actual you know, flavor molecules in the food?
2: Well, it's a combination of the two things, really. Um, the thing that becomes... so when I started working on this subject... I thought of it as, I thought of my project as basically studying flavor chemistry, right? So how, um, how people who were uh, scientists who were studying food um, started to kind of reduce flavor to its molecular components. And it becomes clear very quickly, both for the uh, late 19th, early 20th century um, scientists and technicians working on this, and also for me as a person studying this, that you can't just uh, tell the story with chemistry. You also have to tell the story with perception, um, with the sort of subjective sense of flavor. There's nothing about a molecule that necessarily um, indicates to you um, whether it will have an aroma, for instance, or what it will smell like. And aroma, of course, is a big component of flavor. And that's mm-hmm. another thing about flavor, that it's not just about taste plus smell. It is uh, compulsively multisensory, almost irreducibly so. Mm-hmm. So taste, smell, um, sight, uh, texture, other kinds of tactile sensations in the mouth, mm-hmm. um, the the sound that something makes when you eat it um, as early as the 1920s and 1930s people who were working on the qualities of food uh, recognized that none of those senses were irrelevant to mm. the total experience of of the flavor of something.
0: So when we're talking about the the sound of food, uh, you think perhaps of something like Pringles, <laughs> for, for instance. It's it's that sort of thing. The the uh, I suppose a neuroscientist would look at what that does to your brain when you hear the crunch when you eat. Right? Is that is that the sort of?
2: Yes. Yeah. So there there is actually um, a scientist, uh, a pretty prominent scientist who's sort of kind of the leading voice of this right now, called Charles Spence, who's British. And he's based in English, yeah, yeah. yeah. Who works on um, a lot of the uh, a lot of the sort of uh, the ways that both the sound of the things that we eat influences our perception. I think he did an experiment where he had people eating Pringles while wearing headphones that um, broadcast the sa- like various enhanced or, uh, uh, or muted sounds of crunchiness.
0: You're working towards a book, correct?
2: Called Flavor, an Artificial History. Um, so, usually when people ask me about it, I say that I'm working on that my subject is synthetic flavor, mm-hmm. right? Because one of the things that I am trying to complicate or maybe kind of um, correct a a widespread misperception is that there is a kind of bright, clear difference between natural and artificial flavor. Mm -hmm. Um, So in terms of, uh, I think it's a little bit different in the UK. But in the United States um, on labels, like sometimes you'll see um, contains natural flavor or natural or or artificial flavor or sometimes natural and artificially flavored. Mm -hmm. Um, And I want to kind of point out the way that both of those things on labels are um, a natural flavor, an artificial flavor. Both of them are artifactual. Mm -hmm. That is, both of them are kind of exquisitely and explicitly designed um... as additives by a highly specialized group Mm. of people Mm. um... known as flavorists Mm. and flavorists are kind of these um... I think of them as like... I call them scientific craftsmen um... but they're really artisanal workers Mm. who are laboring at the very heart of the industrial food system Mm. Mm. so if you think about um, Basically everything that is packaged or processed has to have its flavor tended to in some way, and there's this small group of of highly trained people, and when I say they're artisans, um, they're kind of artisans in the classic sense. This isn't something that you get a degree in, right? You don't go to school to become a flavorist. The way that you become a flavorist uh, in the United States um, is you apprentice under a master certified flavorist, so for for five to seven years essentially, um, and then you take an exam um, in front of a panel of other flavorists, of certified flavorists, and you can kind of ascend to the level where you can then you know become a certified flavorist and train other flavorists. This sounds
0: very like the process of you know wine and perfume experts. So it's more artisanal than. Rigidly scientific in some ways.
2: Well, there's a lot of science that you need to know. I mean, essentially because the, the, uh, the complexity of foods, right? Because flavors are um, uh, very small components of this kind of larger food matrix, so to speak. Um, which makes it sound terribly unadvertising. <laughs> the food matrix, including <laughs> water, cellulose, fat, protein, carbohydrates, right? Um, all the things that the um, that this you know very small component of flavor in a food goes to to, to sort of form to, to inform the essence of. Mm-hmm. Um, so and also you have to know sort of about interactions with other molecules, with packaging. Um, obviously, you know toxicity. Though generally, flavor companies have various department departments mm. of um, other kinds of research chemists, toxic, toxicological chemists mm. who deal with those who deal with and inform on those aspects of it. Mm.
0: Um, I suppose some of this relates to labeling. I mean, obviously, you go back to the early days of the Food and Drug Administration. And then later on, in the states, you have uh, quite extensive food labeling, don't you, in terms of its different components.
2: Yeah, yeah, well actually, the the kind of food labeling system that we have now uh, really didn't take, I guess, started to take this shape in the 1970s, but really the, the kind of nutrition fact label that we have now, which is standardized, which has like standardized uh, sort of uh, certain kinds of information that need to be... Um, Need to be included like on a sort of standard font, mm. with some things bolded and some things not bolded. Mm. That that didn't take shape until the 1990s, actually, um, and I think it kind of um, represents this uh, this this turn towards giving consumers more information, mm. Mm. Um, but also uh, making consumers more responsible mm. for interpreting that information. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But so at the same time, right, there's a lot of things that remain to be interpreted. Um, I think if you think about the idea of, uh, if you think about this as a form of increased transparency, um, transparency is only giving you sort of the picture mm-hmm. of the, the language on a label as, as you Understand it, which might not necessarily correspond. But
0: yes. oh, that's interesting because I mean it's sort of Reagan era where that comes in, isn't it? And I suppose also you've got an increased consumer consciousness of, of diet and you know health foods essentially. But there's, I suppose, you're saying there's a, there's a gap in knowledge for a lot of people.
2: I think I, I think so. Um, I, I mean, I think that one of the things that um, continues to be a like a black box for many consumers is just everything that happens between farm and table, Mm -hmm. right? So when we think about um, educating ourselves about where our food comes from, um, usually what that means uh, is thinking about farms and farmers and farming, sometimes in, or quite often I would think in romanticized ways, Mm -hmm. and very little about the sort of technologies of... um, of production and processing, mm. of packaging and transportation and distribution, that go into you know taking even you know even um, even fresh produce mm. um, from the farm to the grocery store um, and and eventually to the consumer's table. Mm. So I think um, one of the things that I'm hoping to do as as a journalist is to kind of shed a little bit more light on. What happens in the factories, right? Mm. That it's not farm or factory. Mm-hmm. That often it's both, yeah. um, and that that's not a, that it's not a necessarily a bad thing. Uh, in order to make better choices about, you know, how to design our food system, which, inarguably, uh, produces bad results for many people. Mm. Like we have to actually look at how. Food is produced rather than kind of romanticizing a certain a certain story about um, about rustic origins mm, mm. and about naturalness.
0: Mm. It's a, it's a fascinating area, really, because uh, and I'd recommend you know describe yourself as a journalist, but your website it, it's very it's obviously academically written um, but yet accessible. So some, <laughs> if anyone's listening, some great articles which are a lot more accessible than your average academic article but still rigorously researched.
2: Yeah, um, and also, um, I know that you guys usually include a recipe.
0: Yes, I was going to get onto that. Yeah, so, well, I mean, we discussed this briefly yesterday. Uh, Usually we, we but obviously your stuff is looking at um, the sort of fundaments, the elements of food. So did you come up with uh, some sort of recipe for us? So instead of a recipe, what Nadia wanted us to do, well, she spoke about how friends of hers, knowing she researched on flavour of asked, has this ruined food for you? Has the enjoyment of food gone? Because you're constantly thinking about the different compounds, I suppose, the different flavours in your mouth. And she said, on the contrary, that what we need to do is we kind of underappreciate junk food. So she says even when she's eating a bag of, as Americans call it, potato chips, or we call it crisps, uh, she's thinking about how that flavor has been composed so instead of cooking this week and i know you think i'm getting off the hook of cooking you are getting off the
1: hook no but
0: we're moving into the modern world of constructed (laughs) flavors here
1: of artificially
0: flavored so we've got some some sweets to try right now you can see from the packaging here uh, these are called warheads it's got a Picture of a man who seems to be in some discomfort, his eyes are rolling. Right, I think he's sweating. He's got a, a nuclear a mushroom cloud um, emanating from his head. Okay, and these are the sort of tangy, sour sort of sweets, beloved of kids the world over.
1: And then next to me, you've put what is essentially a plastic uh, toxic waste barrel
0: with sweets in it. Toxic waste, yeah, but it's hazardously sour candy. Okay, and, and this is American, these are American sweets, and these are, these are sour and uh, but they're illustrative of the flavours. So if you would try, Clay, yeah. please, a warhead. Now look at the flavours here. There's okay, six assorted flavours. i okay. I've um, described this. You know, they're, they're tiny cubes, aren't they? Tiny cubes. You've got a blue one.
1: I've got a bright blue one.
0: Now that is blue raspberry. Okay. But think about that as well for a second. Blue raspberry. Oh, man.
1: That's really sour. That? It doesn't really...
0: It's, it's sour. It's chewy.
1: Yeah, it's like jelly. Like a jelly top.
0: I've got one here. And it's uh, pink. I mean, watermelon. This is watermelon.
1: Considering it's artificially flavored. Mm-hmm. But what flavor are you getting there? It's getting... just sweet. It's just really, really sweet and sour. But what but spots it saying? To my head, I'm getting watermelon. Mm-hmm. Are you? I'm special you have. Try a pink one. Pink one? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Okay, that one's a bit better. Mm-hmm. So these are not. Try a green one. Yeah. That's apple.
0: And are you are you tasting apple there? Um, yeah, I am actually. To be fair, yeah. yeah. i orange one. Tasting an orange. I am tasting orange. Right. And the point here is the point of this exercise is that how we appreciate these flavors is thanks to these chemists essentially. So what you're enjoying as apple there.
1: Tell me what 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 I just eat. I should have looked before. You've
0: got quite a lot of E numbers there. You've got a bit of lactic acid, malic acid, sodium citrate, titanium dioxide.
1: What was that one, sorry?
0: Titanium dioxide. Titanium dioxide. E171, tartrazine, E102, sunset yellow, which right. is quite a famous one, actually, in terms of um, kids and that kind of thing. E110, yeah. brilliant blue,
1: E133. I definitely that one. So, that, so, so what was there in there that, that was actually... Things that sugar, We're quite morish. Actually. Yeah, actually, the strange thing about these these flavors, I mean, I've I've read a little bit about flavors in the past. Is they're designed to, to leave quite an intense flavor, and then mm-hmm. quite quickly they dissipate. Mm-hmm. With most sort of uh, mm-hmm. artificially flavored or, or enhanced uh, yeah. foods, and it makes you want to go back for more. Mm-hmm. So it goes away, goes away quickly, and you think, right, well, let's have another one. Yeah. that's kind of what's just happened here we've eaten half a pack quite would quickly. you care for a toxic waste I would love to thank you um, what does this say on the back is there anything interesting around what kind of additives etc or, or, or before I put I'm going to ask the question before I put this in my mouth have, have a look have a read of it there um, same kind of stuff isn't it sugar glucose syrup lots of E numbers bees, beeswax very very thorough. oh my god They're very sour <laughs> That's really bad. I can't speak. <laughs> that is off. I can't speak properly. <laughs> that
0: <laughs> is... We've got different flavours here. And again, you're saying... Oh, this is... Blue raspberry flavour apple. I think I've got apple.
1: I don't know what's going on. I think I went blind for a minute. And that is... Really intense.
0: But what's the point we're trying to make here?
1: I don't know what the point of that... Of that is. That is awful. Well
0: I suppose it, the, the flavors Hold we take for granted
1: there's a caution on the back of this you what does it mean? say consuming more than one piece at a time
0: mm-hmm.
1: may cause irritation to mouth <laughs> sensitive <laughs> individuals should not consume this product are you a sensitive individual in my feelings my emotions I'm not sure I'm not sure that no. is truly terrible I can't But the point here is the construction
0: of the construction of flavor these that was days so intense. done through uh, the manipulation of flavour. Well, not just these days. It's you know historically happened. Uh, a lot of E numbers making up what we take for granted as apple flavour or
1: yeah watermelon. But flavor. what's what's the reasoning behind it? Do you think? Do you think it's just a cheaper way of um, enhancing something, or are we talking about? You know, as soon as you add natural flavours into something, then. If you're adding water, etc., or other elements to it, it might not last as long as, say, something mm-hmm. that's made in a lab, it essentially, I guess.
0: It True. Possible. I think, as Nadia's demonstrated, um, we're going for the extreme examples here, aren't we? That was the awful. E number laden kids' candy, but it's in everything, or in a lot of things that we take uh, for granted in terms of the um, foods we consume and the um, flavor they're in.
1: I've never tasted anything like that. That was that was truly awful. You spat yours out. I had to. It was absolutely disgusting. It's not
0: really in the spirit of this. You're supposed to sort of take one for the team. Here. No, I
1: did take one for the team, but that that was that was really heinous. That was heinous beyond heinous. That's the word. That was worse than anything we've eaten so far. Well, like you said, we've gone to the nth degree here. We do that for our listeners. We we'd go the extra mile. We really are the yeah. extra mile, I think that was uh, terrible. I'm going to give this to someone and um, don't give it to your children. I want to give it to my wife. I think I don't know how yeah. she'll feel about it. Um, she probably would have eaten it. After she's listened to this, so um, sorry.
0: Last, sorry last of the romantics. Here's
1: yeah. a, a bottle of toxic waste. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So birthday soon. So this is a perfect there you go. present. There you go. Um, So w- you said I've dodged a bullet this week. I don't have to. Uh, you don't have to regale me about um, beautiful bound leather bound mistresses that you have hiding in your office. Sorry. The books. The oh book, book. oh God, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. No, because we
0: have, of course we had Nadia talking about the, that book uh, that she discussed there. Fresh, which I can also recommend. Okay, um, and which is which is very good. We're going to
1: segue to that, and then uh, I guess we'll say goodbye.
0: Yeah, yeah. So we'll uh, we'll go over to that now, and we'll hear about that book, and then uh, join our
1: listeners for the next Doctor Scuff and the Prof. Great stuff. See you all soon. Bye.
0: Finally, uh, Nadia, if I could, we we uh, and uh, we usually do this section where we have uh, something called Books Corner. Mm-hmm. I know I haven't um, prepared you for this, so this is very much on the spot, but. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you have any, apart from your, your own fantastic writing, your blog, etc., are there any books that you would highly recommend regards the broad theme of flavor, taste,
2: in history? Um, well, I love, my, my one of my favorite food writers is M.F.K. Fisher. Um, the Gastronomical Me is an incredible book. Um, probably won't tell you very much about the topic that I work on. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Suzanne, oh, I'm going to mess up her name. I think it's Suzanne Friedberg, okay. the book Fresh, yes. which is a technological history of freshness.
0: I was reading it yesterday, and it's, it's wonderful. And she pursues different foodstuffs by chapter by chapter, so there's one on beef, for example.
2: Right, right, and she kind of shows how this, uh, this idea of something that we take you know, for granted, that we find self-evident, uh, the meaning of freshness, right, or a fresh food, how that concept um, both as kind of like a, a, you know, a technical legislative expiration date type meaning mm. and also as a kind of sensory quality of food um, owes a lot to uh, technologies, uh, to 20th century technologies. Uh, she talks a lot about refrigeration. Refrigeration, yeah. right. How to um, the task of making food that came out of a refrigerator um, still qualify and still seem to us as fresh is not a given, right? But an accomplishment, like a sort of social and cultural and technological accomplishment. So I would recommend that.
0: No, all it remains to me to say is thank you very much for giving up your time for us at short notice. Best of luck with the book. And uh, we'll encourage our listeners to check out your website. So once again, it's
2: NadiaBerenstein.com. So my last name is spelled B-E-R-E-N-S-T-E-I-N. My first name Nadia, N-A-D-I-A.
0: And of course, you're on Twitter, and other At platforms. the bird is yeah. gone. Yep. The bird is gone.